Hello and welcome to the FSU Conversation. During our regular conversation, we will highlight FSU School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happenings in the industry. I'm your host, Austin Ricart, and I'm a senior majoring in public relations and also a director's ambassador for the School of Communication. Today, we will focus on the topic of branding and we'll be joined by Heidi Otway, president of Salter Mitchell PR. So let's jump right in. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Austin, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. So how long have you been working with Salter Mitchell PR? And can you give us a little background information behind what your role entails in the organization? Yeah, so I have been with Salter Mitchell Public Relations now going on 18 years. And I started um, my career uh, as a journalist doing television news for several years. and. Uh, worked for television stations across the country. Uh, a lot of my work in television news was in the state of Florida, working for several TV stations and also being a member of the Capitol Press Corps here in Tallahassee. I was one of the youngest members of the Capitol Press Corps um, almost a year out of college, uh, chasing around governors and lawmakers and doing interviews with them. Uh, and then I moved into television, working at newsrooms across the state and at some point in my career, it was like, okay, uh, television news is a very responsive kind of industry. So we're always responding to news and I wanted something different. So I got the opportunity to come to this agency as their first um, public education account manager with very little experience in public relations. I had an idea of what it was, but I didn't know the depth of public relations. And I kind of worked my way up through the company, quickly ascending to vice president. And now I am the president of the agency and a part owner of the agency. Um, in my current role, I am the chief operating officer, managing um, the staff and overseeing client accounts as like a general manager. I also serve as a chief strategist on campaigns and really helping uh, my clients achieve and exceed their communications objectives. So I'm uh, seen as a trusted advisor to them. Wow, so there really isn't anything that you don't do. Uh, so that, that's so exciting. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that I love about this industry too, is like you said, your career at the time when you were working in journalism, it was something that it wasn't suiting you as well as it did originally when you started out and you wanted to look elsewhere and you had the ability to do so just because of just how broad this field is. So I think that's, that's such a great story. To be honest with you, I started my journalism career in the fifth grade when I was the editor of our school's little newspaper. And I remember very clearly, you know, just loving writing and telling stories. I mean, even back then and you know, in high school, I served on the school newspaper. When I was at Florida A&M University, I was the editor of the school's um, newspaper, the sports section. 
and then I moved into broadcasting. So I've been a journalist, you know, my whole career. And you're right, there's just so many opportunities for folks who want to pursue a career in journalism. You got, you know, news and then you got public relations, marketing, advertising. So there's so many opportunities and I just love it. So would you be able to shed some light on what branding is, how it works, and the general process of forming a brand successfully? When most people hear about brands, they usually think of the logo, the color palette, and the look of an organization, which is part of a brand. But really a brand is what is the soul of an organization and how do they communicate with their stakeholders, their constituents, their key audiences. And all of that encompasses, um, you know, how do they speak? How do they present themselves? What is their reputation? How do they, uh, what products and services they provide that impact the lives of the people that they serve? So there's so many, all these nuances that truly make up a brand. And, you know, early in my career, when I started working on brand development, it was almost like we're taking an organization, a company, or an institution, and we're making it a person. And what, who is that person? And how do they behave? And how do they talk? And how do they think? And how do, they, how do I interact with them? And when social, and this happened a lot when social media started increasing as a, as a tool for brands to communicate with the, directly with their key audiences. And so the, the, the brands evolved into, yeah, you're not talking to a company, you're talking to the people that run the company or the, or the person who's the founder of the company, who, you know, whomever that uh, lead voice is. And so when we do that, when we're doing branding, you know, we're really trying to get to the essence of an organization. So what makes them unique? Why do they do what they do? Who are the people that they're talking to and why should they care? And really just getting into the why of that organization, you know, what is their purpose? What is their role? And then looking at their products and services as, again, what do they mean to people? What do they mean to the person that's the recipient or the beneficiary of it? And so we build our messaging we build our brand story around that kind of storytelling, that presentation of that organization, and therefore it becomes the brand. When it's done right, it resonates with the audiences that they engage with. If it's done wrong, then it's inauthentic, and you got to retool it till you get it right. I'm so glad that you touched on the point that you have to know that your organization that you're working a branding for so well. It's so important because if you don't have strong background information behind not just your organization that you're trying to rebrand or brand initially, but your audience as well, like you said, it's going to come out as insincere and you're going to end up doing more harm than good. Uh, so, so important. Yeah, exactly. So going off of the branding question, a rebranding for Salton Mitchell PR is currently in the works. Why do you feel like this is necessary and what does your organization plan to accomplish with it? Well, um, Salter Mitchell PR and its legacy company, Curly Communications Group have been in business more than 20 years. And we are in a place where we believe that it's time to up our look and up our presentation of how we 
show who we are as an organization and as a company. And so we're not doing a, a complete rebrand. We're doing what I would say is a brand refresh, really defining what our Fluent in Floridian brand means and what does that mean for the clients that we serve and how it could help potential clients. So that's what we're really honing on. Uh, we're also updating our brand look. We're changing our color palette to kind of really reflect um, the Fluent in Floridian brand um, with colors that represent the state of Florida, uh, with, with imagery that shows that we are passionate about Florida. We're very invested in the best of things that could happen in Florida and really helping our clients communicate with Florida's diverse populations. And so, you know, we're updating our website. We're updating just how we present ourselves as an organization, as a company uh, to the public. So we're real excited about it. And we're doing this uh, in celebration of being in business for more than 20 years. So it's time. It's time. Being that 2020 has been the crazy year that it has been, how is Salter Mitchell staying ahead of the game to better serve its clients during a pandemic? And what do you think that the keys to success have been? Yeah, well, the key thing that we learned very, very quickly when the pandemic really started to spread is that organizations, businesses, and, and companies still needed to communicate with their key audiences. They needed to communicate with them to let them know that they're either still in business, that they are providing new services and supports um, because of the pandemic. Uh, they're communicating to check in with their key audiences and stakeholders to see how they're doing and how they could help them. And that bode very well for our company. You know, we have really uh, been working diligently to help our clients in that regard. Then we've also had, you know, clients come in because they had initiatives that had to shift to this new remote isolating environment that we're in where people can't come to your, your, your conference or they can't come to your event. And so we've been doing a lot of work helping our clients stay connected with people in these new remote environments. So I know I'm sure the listeners on, on this podcast will say we are zooming all the way right now. It is a, a you know, a, a big uh, shift in how we communicate, but it's also really exciting because now we're coming up with new ways to engage people right where they are. And it has been, it's been truly exciting. Um, right as the pandemic uh, forced the state of Florida and, and all the other states to kind of shut down, we were in the midst of developing three significant statewide campaigns to communicate with, with diverse populations of people across Florida. And we had to quickly let our clients know that we could still do this in the pandemic. So we pivoted and moved a lot of our activities to Zoom, even the production of videos, public service announcements in the month of April, you know, right after everything kind of shut down, we were producing videos for public service announcements with diverse populations in multiple languages through Zoom. And to see the videos, you wouldn't even you would be like, wow, y'all did that on Zoom? Yeah, we did it on Zoom. Um, and then we also had to get creative where if Zoom wasn't the best way to capture the videos, you know, we were 
working with our production team to get equipment to families and directing them on how to be the videographer. You know, all of us have our iPhones, everyone's, you know, shooting videos now with their phones. And so we had to, you know, work with our client approved and everything knew what was going on, but, you know, letting our um, subjects um, who were not necessarily actors videotape for us and give us quality content that we could turn into these videos. So it was, it's been a lot of pivoting. We're still pivoting. We're still coming up with big ideas to keep engaging people during this pandemic and, and, and doing things that we think we can continue doing even after folks have been vaccinated and we go to whatever our new normal is going to be. So again, it's been real exciting. It's a lot more hard work, but but still very exciting times uh, for our agency, and I think for communications in general, just new ways of doing things. This pandemic is really going to change the way that the industry as a whole functions going forward. It's and it's so interesting to watch these changes in action too, because even though we're doing this to deal with the pandemic that we know will end eventually, all of communications will be changed for the foreseeable future because we've just found a lot of things that we've liked better that have worked better mm-hmm. in this time that we've had to work harder. So yeah. couldn't agree more on that point. Yeah. So going off of COVID-19, what adaptions have you seen professionals in the communications industry make to aid organizations with branding during a pandemic? Yeah, a lot of our, you know, in our branding process, it really involves a lot of research Uh, first to really help organizations understand who they are, what they do really well, and what makes them unique. So a lot of those uh, activities with research, you know, the process is still the same, but the delivery methodology is a little bit different. So you can't do focus groups, or you can, but not where you actually have the people in the room doing the focus groups. So we've had to modify those actions. The other things that we've been doing is rethinking, again, just that that public engagement piece. The one thing that we have been doing more of, we've always done it, but it's become much more valuable and critical to the work that we do is data and analytics on user engagement and user activities and user behaviors. Now that everyone is kind of relying on their digital devices and their computers and their smart televisions to communicate and stay connected. We now have more data than ever before to monitor whether our communications and our activities online or on digital channels resonate with our target audiences. And that has been the most eye-opening and you know we're really seizing it more than we've ever done before to the point where we're providing our clients with these detailed dashboards showing them these behaviors and actions of our audiences that we're targeting on their behalf with strategic communications and that has just been really a game changer i think for our clients because you know before i don't you know i don't think that they really follow the data as much as we do now. So to me, that has been a very fundamental shift where our clients want to know what's happening with the data. Where I want to see, let's go through the dashboard. Let's rethink our, you know, we're like, we're always saying, maybe we need to rethink our strategy because we're noticing these things aren't resonating. And instead of waiting till the campaign ends, we could do it in the middle of the campaign and pivot 
right? So that we can maximize the ROI and then maximize the investment of our clients. So those are the things that we're doing and that we're seeing a lot of agencies around the country that we work with. We're all talking about these new ways of communicating and then also measuring the impact in faster cadence than we, than we previously did. Instead of waiting to the end of the campaign, we're doing it real time now. Yeah, and that's something that I haven't really even thought about, the fact that there's so much more data available online for people's preferences and where they're looking on on the internet, because that's a lot of what they have to do now with everything being in the middle of a pandemic. And I, you know, as communication professionals, we understand the value behind the data that's being put towards a campaign, because we want to make sure that even though we might think a campaign will work, we want to see if our audience also thinks it'll work, because that's who it's for. And, and I think a lot of clients, they might not understand that yet. And they might have the best idea in the world and they want you to run with it. But at the same time, you have to tell them the audience is, the audience is right. You know, we might think that we're right, but the audience is always right. So that data is so important to use on campaigns and especially shifting in the middle of them if they're not going in the direction that you want them to lead. Yeah. And we always start our, our, our campaign planning you know, really diving into the research to better understand the audience first. That's real key to us. And then the second piece of it is really developing a strong strategy that creates the framework for how we're going to communicate with these audiences. And in doing that, it's not willy-nilly. It's very thought out. It's very specific. It's very strategic. It's very thoughtful. And we always have the end in mind, right? So what do we want this audience, these audience to do when they see our communications? Awareness is great, but action is measurable and is a better reflection of whether what we're doing is resonating with those audiences. So it's real important that, you know, we have research, we have a greater understanding of the audience, we have a very clear story about the client that we know is going to resonate with the audience and then we're using the right channels to get that audience where they are right now i mean we're all bombarded with communications so the question is how do we reach them where they are with a message uh, that resonates with them that will prompt them to engage with that client that brand you know that's real important and then looking to see you know of all the messages that we deliver, because again, it's not a one size fits all anymore. You know, we're delivering multiple messages of those messages. What's, what are people responding to? And, and then building on what they respond to and kind of either retool or drop the messaging that they aren't responding to. And that's what I mean by the data, you know, that data analysis, that always looking to see what is resonating with, with these audiences and what are they doing? Our clients really appreciate that, that we have that approach and we're looking at it all the time. We, we were just talking last week about we're doing a statewide campaign right now targeting a, targeting a very niche, multicultural audience of people. And in our data, we noticed that people over 50 were really responding greatly to the messaging and the information but we had another demographic, the more younger demographic that wasn't as, um, they weren't as responsive. So what are we doing? We're retooling the imagery, the messaging, and, and looking at other channels to try to bring up the engagement with that younger demographic. 
And that's why the data is so important. And, and it, it, for our client, it shows that we're being very responsible of their investment. You know, we want to maximize their investment to the, to the best way possible. So that's the fun thing. I, to me, that's like the most exciting because it's almost like we're creating new campaigns all the time, right? And, and that's always on so your feet. Fun. It's so much fun. So I guess on the topic of campaigns, is there a campaign that you've seen recently or one that you've worked on yourself that really stood out to you? I'm really proud of the work that we recently did um, for the census and coming out of the election, we did a lot of work with the League of Women Voters of Florida and our campaigns really resonated. Our, our, for the League of Women Voters, our big campaign was around vote early by mail and it worked in a way that you know the numbers were incredibly high for people who saw that message and responded and voted by mail in florida and and we're really proud of the role that we had in helping deliver that message to uh, florida's diverse audiences across the across the states so i guess to wrap up our segment today i have one final question for you should we as students, professionals, or even just as general members of society consider ourselves as our own brands? And if so, what are the implications of this? Yeah, I, I agree with that. A couple of years ago, I started doing presentations at Florida State University with freshmen talking about their brand. And their brand is who they are as a person, as I shared earlier. What are your values? What do you stand for? What are you really good at? I, would, I even challenge the students and I say, what is your superpower that you use to do good? And yes, you should be paying attention to those things. I knew when I was 13 years old that I wanted to be a journalist. At that time, I didn't and you know, in reflection now, years, 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 years later, I realized that I had kind of knew who I was in my so-called brand. I was a talker. I was, I'm very curious. Um, I like to write. I like to communicate. I like to talk. So I kind of knew this is, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is my superpower. And so that was my challenge to students is that know who you are and be your authentic self and do the things that are, in, that are part of your passion, you know, you know, follow your passion. Because if you follow your passion and you do good things and people recognize that, it's gonna take you very, very far. It really is. And, and, and just be your authentic self. And, and that's something that I really believe in. You know, social media has created these I wouldn't call them faults, but they're not necessarily what they are, if that makes sense. It's too polished, right? And, and it creates this, these unrealistic expectations that you have to be something that you really are not, when all you got to do is just be yourself. And I tell people, I'm a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get when you talk to me. I post pictures of what I really look like on social media. Now, every now and then, if I'm on a magazine and they put on fake eyelashes and all that, okay, listen, this is for <laughs> the magazine, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm still my authentic self. And so I always say, be a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Be authentic. Follow your passion. Do what you love and do it for good. And, and you'll, you'll have a good life. I mean, I, I'm a testament to that. 
That's that's such fantastic advice. Thank you for that. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for taking your time out of, out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. You were a fantastic guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. This segment is about to come to a close. As always, make sure to follow FSU.com on Twitter and FSU Communication on Instagram for more information on future podcast segments and everything else the school communication has to offer. Also, be sure to check out Salter Mitchell PR's podcast, Fluent and Floridian. So, until next time, from all of us here at the FSU School of Communication, and be sure to always remember to keep the conversation rolling.